Welcome to Destination DIY. I'm Julie Sabatier. A group of musicians in Chicago is taking a new approach to classical music. He was like, I want to do this all the time. And I said, well, we, we could do this all the time. We could do it on our own. And he's like, that would be awesome. DIY means do it yourself. Sometimes I can do without help. DIY means I try to do it all by myself. La, la, la. 42nd Parallel is reinventing the classical music experience without lavish concert halls, formal attire, steep ticket prices, or even a conductor. Ben Spees has the story. About 35 musicians are crammed into the living room of Helen Hess's apartment on Chicago's north side. They've gathered for a potluck meeting. There are vegan muffins and some beers on the coffee table. Someone carries in an impressive-looking cheesecake. When the couch space and folding chairs run out, People sit on radiators or double up on each other's laps. Some of the guys sport beards or tattoos of clefts and violins. The women wear stylish glasses and pea coats. These are the players of the 42nd Parallel Orchestra. In a few short weeks, they'll perform Beethoven's Eighth Symphony and Brahms' Second Serenade at Unity Lutheran Church in the city's Andersonville neighborhood. Hi, everybody. Welcome. Um, we're going to get started a little bit because I know some people can't stay forever. So uh, thanks, everybody, for coming. Um, Normally, this is where the conductor would ask for silence and lecture the orchestra about his interpretation of the music and how they will perform it. But 42nd Parallel has no conductor. There are no instruments at this meeting either. Instead, this is a time for ideas on how they'll make the music their own, and it's all democratic. Cellist Leah Cole is one of the organizers. One thing that I think would be cool in general as an orchestra to like do some rehearsing with different sections, or the cello play with the oboe if there's a melody together, like mm -hmm. break things up a little bit so that people listen in a different way, because mm -hmm. I think that's a really essential yeah. part of what yeah. we're doing. The orchestra believes that playing without a conductor creates a sense of community and ownership that keeps the music fresh. Helen Hess is a violist and one of the co-founders of 42nd Parallel. Like most of the orchestra's musicians, she's in her mid-twenties. She sums up the group's mission for a few new members who came to the potluck. So the point of 42nd Parallel, the reason we are conducting this ensemble is because we want, we want control over it, and we want to give our interpretations and have our voices heard. So when we're in rehearsals, speak, like, everybody. It's a challenge getting 35 or more people to play some of the world's most complicated music together in perfect harmony without the guy in the tuxedo up front steering the whole thing. Eye contact is an essential communication tool during concerts. I don't care how well you know your part. I don't care if you don't know your part. I would rather see your eyes and have you play, like, the wrong note. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not. I'm Scott Dickinson. I play double bass. I freelance as a musician, and I teach, and I'm on the executive committee for 42nd Parallel. Scott's a composed guy with an academic perspective on what the orchestra does. He and Helen came up with the concept when they played together in Civic Orchestra. That's the Chicago Symphony's training program for young musicians. 42nd Parallel was born of a challenge that world-renowned cellist Yo-Yo Ma gave to the group during a residency with them. He asked the orchestra to memorize Beethoven's Sixth Symphony start to finish and play it together without a conductor. Everybody kind of thought, well, this is really crazy, but I guess we're going to go do it. The project was a really eye-opening experience for me just because it felt really refreshing to have that amount of ownership of a piece. Violetta Todorova is a violinist and fellow Civic Orchestra alum and has been helping to organize 42nd Parallel since the beginning. But it 
really, really helped us to see what the music can be, what this musical experience can be without the conductor just focusing on each other, focusing on the musical lines. A native of St. Petersburg, Violetta had the traditional upbringing of a Russian artist. Musicianship is the singular pursuit with an intense focus on proficiency. She says that playing without a conductor allows her to get off the page and connect with the other musicians. I am looking a lot at everyone else. We're not just listening, we're making eye contact. So everything that I'm doing with my violin, I am gearing towards what I'm seeing and what I'm hearing. Yo-Yo Ma's challenge was a first for Violetta and her colleagues, and it gave them a lot to talk about. We should, we should do this again. We should always do this. Why isn't this uh, a regular thing for an orchestra to do? The civic orchestra players were abuzz while working on the project. They weren't used to having that much autonomy and responsibility over the music they played. While it rubbed some people the wrong way, Others planned how to continue the experience even after they finished the training program. Between rehearsals, Scott chatted with Helen about it. He was like, I want to do this all the time. And I said, well, we, we could do this all the time. We could do it on our own. And he's like, that would be awesome. They wanted to start a new orchestra, one that removed the stuffiness and institutionalism some people associate with classical music. Plus, they thought audiences might feel more comfortable going to a concert in blue jeans, in a place where they serve old Milwaukee by the can. The founders took the name 42nd Parallel for the line of latitude that runs through Chicago. By removing the conductor and playing in a less formal setting, they wanted to break down some of the walls that classical music tradition puts between the orchestra and its audience. They're not the only ones who've taken this approach. Lots of classical musicians take ownership of their artistic direction, like the Knights and Orpheus Orchestra in New York, or a far cry in Boston. But these groups have the benefit of administrative staff and high-profile players. There are conductorless orchestras, but there certainly are not ones that starting from the ground up like this. Michael Lewanski is a professor at Chicago's DePaul University School of Music. He taught several of 42nd Parallels musicians, and he's a major supporter of what they do. He also happens to be a conductor. Essentially, I'm, I'm, I'm encouraging them to make my, my profession obsolete. If orchestra musicians take more ownership of the repertoire they play, orchestra music will be, will be better in this country, and people will have better times at concerts. You're tuned to Destination DIY. I'm Julie Sabatier. Coming up, the sacrifices and advantages of taking a punk rock approach to Beethoven and Brahms. But first, did you know there's a brand new show on the Maximum Fun Network? Oh, hey there, everybody. I'm Guy Branham, and welcome to Pop Rocket, a new weekly show picking over the pop culture we all love to love. With me to talk TV, film, music, and anything else entertaining are journalist Margaret Wobbler, academic, writer, and DJ Oliver Wang, digital strategist Winter Mitchell, and comedian Santina Muha. It's an intellectual and incredibly snark-filled discussion about pop culture by five cranky Hollywood 30-somethings. No name-calling, no rudeness, just straight talk and a lot of role-play. I'm only 30-something for another year. Me too. And I don't <laughs> tell anybody I'm 30-something. Pop Rocket comes out every week from MaximumFun.org. Forty Second Parallel plays with the same kind of vision and skill as other more traditional orchestras, but as an organization it runs on the wit and scrappy resolve of its volunteer musicians. The players all pitch in to put the concerts together, calling friends, making photocopies, maybe springing for some wine to serve afterward. Their approach is more punk rock than classical, and as Scott says, there was a learning curve when they started. We went to school for to learn how to play our instruments 
well, no experience doing the, <laughs> the administrative side of things. Not to mention the financial challenges. Yeah, there are, there are a lot of barriers. Orchestras are not exactly a booming business right now. You know, it's, it's risky. Orchestra management is usually handled by foundations with full-time staff and large endowments, or by university fine arts departments. But as Michael explains, these institutions don't always see eye-to-eye -eye with the players. Mostly in the United States you have orchestras being run by boards of directors that you know, often do great things and sometimes do really awful things, where you actually have these horrible situations where you have musicians and management fighting all the time. He's referring to symphony labor disputes in several major cities. The Atlanta Symphony Orchestra has had two lockouts in two years. And in Minnesota, musicians have accused the orchestra board of manipulating its finances to justify pay cuts. In 40-second parallel, that's not going to be a thing that happens because they're going to take control of both the organizational direction of what they're doing and the artistic direction. With virtually no budget, they booked the first concert at the only venue they could find that didn't require the money up front, a burlesque theater in the Bucktown neighborhood. And they packed the place. Helen fondly remembers the chaos of that night. We had people sitting in the aisle, even on the stage, though it was really tight. You know, everybody was so close together. It's something that you realize and are like, wow, like, I'm more connected to these people because I'm even closer to them than maybe I'm comfortable with in some cases. After the initial potluck planning meeting, rehearsals are broken into sections and might be held in someone's kitchen or backyard or in a school rehearsal room if they can hustle one. Artistically speaking, a lot of the heavy lifting is done here. The small groups knock around ideas on tempo, dynamics, and technique, experimenting with things they'll ultimately bring back to the full orchestra. In a late-night session in a 14th-floor rehearsal room downtown, a septet of strings and woodwinds plays and replays key passages, scribbling notes on their sheet music as they go. There's a lot that can go wrong leading up to a concert. Sometimes venues drop the ball, musicians cancel at the last minute, artistic differences pop up in rehearsals. As Violetta says, there's always a bit of chaos to manage. You, you have to have really cooperative people to make it work because it's, it's not one person's opinion anymore that guides the music. It's everyone's opinion, and of course they're going to be different. Playing something as complex as a Brahms serenade without a conductor requires as much from the logical left brain as it does from the artistic right brain. The musicians have intense discussions about who will lead each section, who will play the melody, and where each instrument should put its emphasis. If this sounds like a lot of time to put into a volunteer project, it's because it is. Helen and the other musicians squeeze it in between giving lessons and other paying gigs. You know, I play with whoever asks me to come play a gig pretty much. I played a baptism the other day. That was exciting most elaborate baptism I've ever been to. <laughs> uh, just this past New Year's, actually, I played a six-hour gig, um, and it, it went all the way past midnight. <laughs> so you can't really hope to have a nice time off for a holiday if you're a musician. Others work in music shops, take out-of-town jobs with touring bands and regional orchestras, or pick up shifts waiting tables. Like other millennials, Professional musicians are finding the job market is tough these days, and financial security isn't guaranteed. But to the members of 42nd Parallel, their orchestra is about more than that. Obviously, we're not paying anything, so there's no benefit for them financially. It's just 
the satisfaction of getting to do something fun with your friends. The musicians are still busy preparing on the night of the concert at Unity Lutheran. Some of them are moving the front row of pews off to the side to make room for the full orchestra, while others set up music stands. As they begin tuning, people donate a few dollars at the door and hurry into the sanctuary, shaking off the lakeside chill. The musicians take their places, dressed neatly in black. The church grows quiet, and 40-second parallel comes to life. Thanks for tuning in to Destination DIY. This month's episode was produced by Ben Spees with some help from the Destination DIY production team. The team includes engineer Brian Kramer, editor Laura Haddon, producer Jamie Cuddy, intern Sasha Peters, and me, Julie Sabatier. Concert audio was provided by Anya Belinsky and Jason DeLeon. Gray Ann created the Destination DIY theme song. We get legal help from Cole Haver. If you want to see some pictures of 42nd Parallel or find out about upcoming shows, visit DestinationDIY.org. We've got some great stuff planned for 2015, so make sure to keep up with us on Twitter and Facebook. Just look for Destination DIY. I also tweet at DIY Girl. And you can download all of our shows for free on pretty much any audio platform, iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Overcast, and you can find us on the NPR One app. And don't forget... It's not too late to support the show just like I did. 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 Just look for the Please Donate link on the website. DestinationDIY.org D-I-Y MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported. Thanks for listening.